there were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Pilate, ruthless Pilate, mingled their blood with their sacrifices. Verse 2, And Jesus answering said unto them, those that were present, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or he's calling their mind back to their, uh, is the Israel, the Hebrew nation, their Jewish history. He says, or, verse 4, those 18 upon whom the tower and Shalom fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem. And he, he, he asked them a question. He answers his own question in verse number 5, I'll tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Let's pray and you can be seated. Father, we love you today. Lord, I just want to thank you, God, for grace and mercy. Lord, I stand here where no man can help me but you. And I pray you'd help me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, to bring glory and honor to your worthy and holy name. Lord, I know, Lord, I'm imperfect and pure and of myself. And I ask you to cleanse me from the top of my head to the bottom of my uh, feed. And Lord, I ask you, Lord, to search my heart and cleanse me from inside and out. Help me, Lord, to be a vessel that would not contaminate truth, but be a vessel that truth could flow through me, Lord, as a vessel on this earth to the hearts of everyone that's here. We pray, Lord, that you'd be lifted up, that sinners would be saved, evangelized, that saints would be encouraged. Lord, that you'd be exalted, our Savior, and we ask God that your will be accomplished. Lord, please, I pray, open our thoughts to the truth today. And then, Lord, let me share my, 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 my testimony as I feel like it fits into this chapter. And, Lord, we'll give you glory for all that you are. We love you today and pray you'll get the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> I want to preach a thought today, if, if the Lord would help me, and don't cut me off on what I'm fixing to say. I want to preach a thought today on I'm going to heaven on or by my good looks. Now, I know everyone's fixing to laugh. I'm not talking about what you see right here, but I'm going to heaven on my good looks. And I'm going to walk through the text, and then I'm going to share with you that thought that some of you have heard me share before. Look with me, if you will, in chapter number 13. And in verse number one, Christ has given two illustrations to a bunch of folks that have been gathered and they have watched him do miracles. They have watched him heal the sick, touch lepers. They have watched him raise dead. They have watched him, hey man, do a lot. Every funeral that he ever went to, he messed it up. I mean, the funeral director loved it when Jesus showed up because he got the double dip on a funeral. Uh, everything that, that Jesus did, he did for our benefit 
I, I like to think about it like this. He never owned anything, but he sure did borrow a lot of things, and he only bought one thing, and that's us. Amen. I, what I'm saying is he borrowed a boat. He, the Bible says he told a crowd one time when they want to know where he was at, he said the foxes have dens and, and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. He didn't own a house. I mean, but he, he used a house. He didn't own a ship, but he used a ship. And boy, he didn't even have to own a grave, but he sure did use one. Amen. Barred it. He didn't even have a cross, but he barred one from Barabbas. I, I sure am glad today that he bought us, and we are that purchase possession. And I want you to notice with me, Christ is putting ever, everybody on the level playing field. Some of that crowd that was in the crowd that day, they were religious. They thought because they were born uh, to Abraham's line or Abraham's seed, they were better than other people. And, and I want to say all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. We've all gone out of the way. All like, we've all like sheep gone astray. Amen. If it wasn't for grace and mercy and if it wasn't for the gift of repentance, we would have no hope. But thank God he puts us on the same level. And, and the Lord is putting us on the same level. I want you to notice he uses the brutality of the providence where he's preaching. Some of them came up and the Bible says that in verse number one, they were present at that season, some that told him of the Galileans. And he's talking about a certain group of Galileans who were killed while they offered sacrifice. And he's, he's talking about the case of Pilate. And Pilate was cruel. He was a Roman ruler who was known for brutality. We would not have known that if chapter 13 had not been put in here. If these verses, he, so he gave us the case of the brutality. He was so vile, he was so cruel that he cut down Galileans as they offered a sacrifice to God. Then notice this in verse number two, we find the conclusion about the brutality. Jesus answering, he said unto them, suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. They falsely assumed that they were judged in this wicked, cruel, vile way because their sin was worse than the other Galileans. And so the Lord said, do you think they were sinners, in verse 2, above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? And the Lord answered his own question and said, nay. In other words, the Lord said, all of you, all people, except they repent, they won't just suffer here, they'll suffer through eternity. There's no way. Every sinner is the same in this sense. And Christ is putting every sinner that they need to repent. Now, we can look through the biblical history and say, well, there is a crowd who was judged because of sin. God judged the whole world, the old world, and brought condemnation and delivered Noah being the eighth person. Eight people started a new beginning. And he judged that whole world. We can look at Sodom and Gomorrah. And God judged Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities round about them in like manner. And for, because and for their wicked sin. So yes, there is times that God judges a whole nation, a whole group of people because of sin. And it's usually to make a statement. It's to purify. In Job, we find out that that's not always the case. 
Job was an upright man. This is not a testimony that Job gave of himself. This is a testimony that God gave about Job that he was just and upright. And, and so we know Job did not suffer because of his sin, but that he might teach us the patience that came through the suffering of Job. So we can't look at people and say, well, because they died violently, because somebody cut them and they died viciously, because of a cruel incident of evil that happened in their life, God must have been behind it. God must have judged them. And Jesus said, you want to bring up their death and the cruelty of it, but I want you to draw this conclusion that they did suffer a terrible death. But the conclusion that I want you to draw in verse number three, the correction that he gives about the brutality is that all are going to hell except they repent. You're no better than those Galileans. There's some Galileans that did not suffer a cruel death and there's some Galileans that did suffer a cruel death but the way they suffered, the tragedy they suffered, the cruelty that they suffered, it's not God judging them because of sin. If God would have judged them because of that kind of sin, he would have judged all of us because the truth is we've all come up short and all are sinners. Amen. We would have all suffered such a tragic fate. So Jesus is making a conclusion. You think, well, he's driven it home. He won't do it again, but he does it again. He does it again starting in verse number four. He says, or those 18. So we have the brutality of the providence and then we have the building of the providence. They were in that same countryside where the tiler of Shalom fell and slew them in verse number four, 18 people. Think ye, in verse number four, that they were sinners above all men that dwell at Jerusalem. So he's dealing and this time he's dealing with the collapse of the building, the tragedy of the tower falling and killing 18 violently, crushing them between that, underneath that weight. And, and we can look in, just in our history in the United States of America, the towers that fell. And, and some people could watch those towers and look in New York and say, well, they fell. And that was because God judged that wicked city. No, God, God does not always judge the people. They were good people that died in those towers. In fact, I know some by, by way of association with other firefighters and the testimony of these people is they were good firefighters. They were good EMS workers. They were good people that died. So it wasn't because of their individual sin. Now, God allows things to happen, maybe to shake a nation. And sometimes when God shakes us, it's to get us corrected. Oh yes, and, and for a while, it seemed like we was, everybody including the president was talking about praying and all how we need to pray and all how wicked we've reverted backwards and went more wicked than we ever were because that's what happens when you can clean a house out if, they, if it's still empty, then the seven devils worse gonna come and live in that body. Are y'all with me? I mean, you can have the trim right and the paint right and the shingles right, but if that house is empty, devils is coming in there. I'm, ain't you glad the Lord lives on the inside of our temple? Amen. And so the Lord's telling him, so he's dealing with the brutality of the providence and that crowd was thinking about Pilate. He's dealing now with a building in that providence and so he, they're, they're thinking, Jesus is reminding them of the collapse of the building and, and then he makes a conclusion about the building. 
Look at verse number four, the latter part of the verse. Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell at Jerusalem. Many thought that they were greater sinners and they must have done something vile. They must have been really wicked. But listen, God, we know God doesn't deal with that because if, if we would really just think about it for a minute, all the people that hurt little children, God would destroy them in this way. And so sinners will be judged. Jesus said, hey, they're not, they're not worse sinners in, the, in this providence among Jerusalem. They're not worse sinners than the other people that didn't die in that tower. So he, he is draw, they're drawing a conclusion and Jesus has given them a right conclusion. Then he gives them a correction about that building. Look in verse number five. He said, many sinners, in verse number five, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So what he's saying is, many sinners should or shall escape the tower falling, but that will not exclude them from being crushed under the weight of an eternal damnation in hell. So he's saying, you may die a smooth death, but except you, print, you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You may die a cruel death, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So the Lord's given a lesson in the first part of chapter number 13 to a crowd that is religious who were puffed up about some of their heritage, puffed up about their religious rites and rituals and their routines. And the Lord's putting everybody, the prince and the pauper, the riches and the rags, he's putting all of them on the same level. He's put the harlot on the same level as a, a man who can quote the Old Testament, have every bit of that Old Testament down uh, from, from Genesis, all, all the books of Moses. They wear phylacteries on their hands, got them on their head, got them on the post of their house. I mean, he put everybody on the same level that except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And so when I studied this, I thought, man, that, that's exactly the way I was taught when I, when I went to church. As a, as a baby, I don't even remember the first time I got drugged to church. You hear that old story that, hey, we had a drug problem when I was little. And my mom and daddy drugged me to church. <laughs> I did. I went to church every, every Sunday. And I would name the church. It's just right down the road in the community I live. And I wouldn't do no good. So most of you know. And I, I, I went to that church. I remember being a part of the youth group. I, I remember and what went on in the youth group was not a good youth group. I, I, I never seen nobody. I don't even remember anybody ever preaching a clear presentation of the gospel. It, 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 was, it was an association church. and not saying all of them's bad. There's probably some good ones out there somewhere, you know. But I, I, I'm just saying they were good ones, and I'm, I'm not saying that's because, but, but I'm telling you, the church that I was involved in, I, I would hear that man preach, and I never, ever heard a clear presentation of the gospel. I'm not saying it did happen. It may have happened, and I wasn't there, but I never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. I heard a, a lot of about being good to your neighbor. I went down at 12 years old because I got tired of everybody getting the Lord's Supper and me not ever getting it, and uh, me and my, my cousin, and Michael, I looked over him and said, man, I'm tired of being left out. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I'm going to get a part of the Lord's Supper. And that's all I'd ever heard. I mean, if, as long as you're a member of the church, you can have it. And so I went down there to that church at, at the altar. Nobody, I'd ever seen nobody pray. I'd never seen nobody give a testimony. I'd never seen nobody talk about repenting and getting right with God. I'd never even seen nobody repeat an easy believism prayer. I'm talking about, I'd never seen nobody even sign 
our name. I went down there, I remember the preacher, and I, I shook his hand, and he said, what have you come for, little Jackson? I said, well, I'm coming uh, to join the church. And you know what he said? Little Jackson here wants to join the church. What's the, what's the pleasure of the church? Everybody said, I. They all lifted their hand. I went in that baptism pool behind there. And I went in as a dry sinner and came out a wet sinner. I never got I never got saved. I never confessed my sin. I never repented. I never believed in my heart. I never called on the Lord. And for a long time, I thought that just being good was all it was going to take to get to heaven. Jesus is dealing with the crowd who thinks because they've been raised good, they've been taught good, because they've been around good, because they had a heritage of good, that that means they're going to go to heaven. And Jesus said, except you repent. Nay, he says nay twice. Nay in verse number three. He says nay in verse number five. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. I never heard that. I remember, I remember going to the basic training, being out there. And if anybody's ever went to basic training, man, back when I went through basic training, that's the worst days of my life, the first two weeks. I thought I was dying. I went to the army to get away from Green Creek, and I was begging. I'd have crawled back. I mean, I said, God, help me. What did I, what was I thinking? And then after that second week, man, I fell in love with it. I just love the training. I love, I love the structure of it. I love having, I like having every moment of the day. That's why I like police. I love everything that's structured. I just love that. Uh, but the first two weeks, I was begging God. I was writing letters. You'd have thought I was the born-again theology major. I was calling on my grandma to get a hold of heaven. I mean, man, I'm telling you, I was in turmoil. I was in torment. I was scared to breathe. I mean, I remember one time being in there, and at this time, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, is where I went to school. I was a Ford observer for the artillery. You know, that's the guys that's real crazy. It goes behind enemy lines and shoots that laser target, and then the, the uh, land, sea, or, or air comes in and rides your target. So you got to be crazy. Your life expectancy is like five minutes. I mean, you got to be crazy to even do that. And, and, and I go in there, and I'm thinking, man, it's all men. There's no women. And, and I remember the first night I was there, Brother Scott, I was doing push-ups with two duffel bags on my back, and you said, how'd you do that? Because I was scared I was going to die. I mean, as a drill sergeant, literally was like a bulldog jumping up in my face, talk, calling my mama every name in the book, my daddy every name in the book. I was low. I, I think he said, you're lower than snail snot, and that's pretty low. And uh, I mean, I was low. I mean, I felt like I was, I was scared to death. I was scared to death. I remember sleeping here the first time. I was thinking like this. I thought I was pretty tough. And man, I mean, I was scared. Then he came in and flipped my bed over on top of me. We all went running outside in them uh, white BVDs, all men, so it didn't matter. There wasn't no women nowhere. And had me do drash drills, ice cut from the head to the foot. And I mean, I, I'm talking about, y'all Y'all understand, I was scared. And I thought to myself, well, I'll go to chapel. Because I, I, I've been taught in church, if I'll just do good, God will take care of me. So I remember going into chapel, and man, I, I, that man preached, and I was just glad to get away from the drill sergeant. They couldn't touch you for 30 minutes. And that's really the reason I went. I went in there to get away from the drill sergeant. And man, they, I felt a little stirring in my heart, but I never got right. I remember being 17 years old and, and getting so crazy and wild and wicked 
And back then, it, it was just, it was a terrible thing. If you was a football player, you could drink, didn't matter what age you were, and it was a different age then. And man, I, 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 was, I remember going so far off the deep end, and I went down with a bunch of folks at Myrtle Beach. This is right before I went into the military. And, and there was this guy, and he was carrying a cross up and down the main boulevard of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, preaching John 3.16. Man, looking back on it, brother, it just absolutely breaks my heart. People throwing beer bottles or spitting at him and they're mocking him and making fun of him. And he's just preaching and, and going up and he don't get mad at nobody. He's just preaching John 3, 16. And man, I'm telling you, that ate at me. Every time I'd hear a little message, that ate at me. And uh, I remember getting out of the military. I'd met my wife partying. I'd come home five and a half hours to party at a crazy place called the VIP Lounge. And it looks terrible. I thought it was the best thing at nighttime, but when the lights got turned on, it's ugly. I mean, I wouldn't send a rat to that place. It's terrible. And I and you know South Carolina for all places. I remember coming home and I met a woman who, who had just slipped in there. And God in his providence, knowing the beginning from the end, and God in his miraculous work had put Michelle in my life at that moment. And I had no idea her, her papa was a godly man. I had no idea that mama was a godly, man, a godly woman. I had no idea that her great-grandpa started the church that I was one day going to get saved in. I had no idea he started eight other churches in Rutherford County. I had no idea. I just remember seeing this girl, and, and I, I thought to myself, man, ain't nobody ever going to love me through a process of time. Nobody's going to love me like this girl. And I walked into church. And y'all have heard me tell this. I've walked into church and uh, it was after a whole lot of conviction and that man preaching on the street and being tugged on my heart. And, and I knew they, I was missing something. I had shook the preacher's hand, but I went out and still cussed. I had shook the preacher's hand and I got baptized, but I still run around wicked as a whoremonger. I, I remember shaking the preacher's hand, but I still drunk myself to a, to a stupor. I, I remember, well, I, I've done what they said. I, I, I went to church. I, I'm a member of that church. And if, I'm telling them, I'm still a member there. Uh, or they, they got me on the road there as being a past member. I'm still. And I remember, Brother Scott, she asked me, she said, I want you to come to, to our church. And uh, I, we were shacked up. We, we, weren't, we weren't even married. We were shacking up. And I remember uh, something got to stirring in my heart one day. I scared the light of my mom. She had so much God on her. I mean, she had so much God on her. If y'all look real close, I had an earring. Now, at, in my day, if you wore one on the left side, that means you was a man, okay? Now, it's here, okay? You can still see the hole. It wasn't ever on the right side. But I'd take that thing out. I was scared to walk in her house with it. I'd go in her house. I was scared to lie to her. She, I said, well, Mama, we went to church, and we literally, we'd pack our, we'd pack our stuff. We'd go to Holly Springs Baptist Church, I'd literally touch the steps, turn around, get my car, go back, mama will call. I said, we went to church, and I did. I went to the parking lot, I went to the steps, I just didn't go in. And I don't know if the Holy Ghost told on me, or she knowed, or she had an FBI, or, or a private eye following me, but something wasn't enough. And she called me, she said, I want you to go to Welcome Home Baptist Church, and you just have to know where Welcome Home is. 
it's three it was at that time three miles on the dirt road in the middle of nowhere and you got to go through you got to go through a place called Shingle Holler and Green Hill to get on Cove Road to go to a place called uh, White House Community in the middle of nowhere I'm talking about on the dirt road and you get down in there around the curve and all of a sudden there's this oh, I mean it's, that's what you feel it's like this white church with a backdrop of leaves turning Brother Scott, I went in there that day because Mama, she wouldn't leave me alone. And I remember walking in that day, and the service was already gone. I thought, well, we can slip back on the back. And we slipped back on the right-hand side of Welcome Home Baptist Church. When we walked in the door, we walked on the right-hand side. That's where Mama and her, uh, them sat. And we slipped over there with them, but it was already on. <laughs> Woo! I mean, it was on. I'm talking about folks popping up, bragging on God. I said, these people's crazy. I ain't never seen church. I thought you went to church to go to sleep. I thought you went to church to sit there and twiddle your thumbs. I thought you went to church and, man, you'd hear the same talking on the steps as you did out in the bar. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I went into church that day and I got a good look at the saints. Are y'all listening to me? I'm going to heaven because some good looks. It ain't these, but some good looks God gave me. And I walked in that day and I saw my mom. And she'd already, the name of the church is Welcome Home Baptist Church. Here I am, shacked up, I mean, whoremonging, drug, drugs in the past, drinking in the past, wicked, I mean, being in the military during Desert Storm, I'm thinking, I'm so low, I've played church, I know there's something wrong with me, but I walked in there and I felt welcome. I mean, it's like she had everybody praying for me. I found out later she did. They ambushed me when I got to church. I mean, they're sitting there and they didn't know I was coming for sure and folks is popping and Mama stood up and testified and just went to crying and said, I just want to thank God for saving me. And man, it, uh, preacher, you can preach it hard as you want and you might preach it harder than I live, but you ain't going to preach it harder than I like. And I mean, everybody went, woo, amen. And then Papa stood up and folks started, I had a good look of what real worship was like. I mean, when they sung, they had a joy for their singing. So I got a good look, amen, a good look at the saints. I saw real worship. I saw the presence of God. I felt God. I mean, I wanted to crawl down in my seat. But that wasn't all I got a good look at. I got a good look at the saints, and I got a good look at myself. I remember that man when God preached that day. I'd never heard preaching like his. He said, take your Bibles. Amen, turn the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 11 and verse number 23. And he began reading about the Lord's Supper. I'd never told y'all what I, anybody what I just told y'all. I'd never told anybody that I joined the church just to get the Lord's Supper. I never had told anybody that. But I walked in church that day and he preached on eating the Lord's Supper unworthily, uh, eating and drinking damnation to yourself. I felt like, my God, how does he know who has told on me? He preached on every sin that I'd ever even thought about. Named the ones I did. He had a finger 14 foot long. Felt like he's pointing back at me. I mean, I was scared. I mean, I thought I was scared in basic training. I was really scared. I saw how wicked I was, how vile I was, how distant I was, how dead I was, how diseased I was, how in darkness I was. But God turned the light on. You see, for a long time, I, I was hypnotized by my own self-righteousness. 
I remember reading a story one time about a fish. I don't know if y'all have ever read this fish. It's an ugly fish. But this fish lives down the darkest part of the sea. And I'm talking about where light can't get. And it has this it's weird mouth, but it has this little light that hangs over top of it. It's a luminescent light. And it thinks it has light. It thinks, and, and that's what it is when you've been brought, to, brought up around a good family like I was. When you've been brought up that if you just be good, if you've got a good heritage. And my, my family, my daddy, well, I can't tell you the time, my daddy would say, man, don't bring shame to the family name. That's what he'd say. Had, had a good reputation in the community, had a good reputation, didn't we, Miss Wanda? I mean, everybody loved Papa Troy and they loved Mama Count. Everybody, man, they, they, thought, they thought of them highly. I mean, all the way from the 70s, all the way up. I mean, they had a tremendous testimony. And I thought to myself, well, you ought to be brought up right, but don't never think your goodness and your self-righteousness is going to get you to heaven because there's no righteous, no, not one. Is everybody right? There's no unrighteous thing going to ever get to heaven and nothing we do because all our righteousness is as filthy rags. That means on the best moments of the best seconds of our life that it's still like menstruous, like, uh, like leprous rags. At the best moments in ourselves, we're still going to come up short. We're aiming at the mark and we can't never hit the bullseye. And I thought to myself, man, that day I got to look at myself. I was shown that what I did was wicked. And I, every time I was eating the Lord's Supper, and I'd done it in the military. I had done it every day since I was 12 years old, since I shook that preacher's hand. Every time I was drinking that juice and every time I was eating that bread, I was faking that I was all right with God. I was faking it. And I was down, I was, I was eating and drinking damnation to myself. What I was doing is I had a, a self-professed righteousness. And I was going to end up missing. And the Lord said, you think that they're worse sinners than you? Nay. I'll tell you the truth. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He said, except ye repent. He said, he'll point the finger at you. Don't point the finger at nobody else. And I'm telling you, when I got when that man of God got done preaching, if y'all heard me say it, he preached so hard his dentures fell out. And the deacon called him, and he kept preaching, come back, grabbed him from the deacon, slapped him in, and never missed a beat. I mean, that man preached. I mean, preached heaven hot, uh, heaven sweet and hell hot, and my sin was wicked. All I saw was how vile I was. I got a good look at myself. Got a good look at my sin. I saw everything that I'd ever done. I saw everything that I'd ever committed. And the Bible said in 2 Corinthians, in chapter number 4, and verse 3 and 4, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. Now, my wife's, Lord willing, going to kill a bunch of deer this week. I hope we're going to try. I've got a block over there, and she's going to go hunting this week. And I hope we got a bunch of deer meat. My wife, amen, she's, she's the deer slayer, hopefully, this week. I'm praying she is. Oh, man, that's going to be a blessing. If we really wanted to get them, we'd spotlight them. But that's against the law. But I felt like that day God turned the spotlight on me. And I stopped dead in my tracks. And the Holy Ghost geared in on me. 
And you know what? That's what the Lord's doing. He had turned the spotlight. He said, your spotlight's been on the 18 that died in the Shalom. Your spotlight's been on the few Galileans that died in a terrible way, in a cruel way, and got their blood mingled with their sacrifices. Oh, the spotlight ain't on just this crowd that's wicked, not just the pedophiles, not just the homosexuals, not just that wicked crowd. He said, no, except you repent. You say, all likewise prayers. It don't matter how good your family is. It don't matter how righteous you think you are. Except you repent, everybody's going to miss it. See, you may not die. You may not, you may not die when a tire falls. You may not die in some tragic way. But if you don't repent, you're going to die forever in the torments of hell. I got a good look at my sin. I got a good look at the scripture. That man of God preached. I mean preached the Bible. You know what the Bible said over in 2 Timothy in chapter number 4? You know what, you know what he, or chapter number 3? You know what he said, brother? And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. That day he did not preach a bunch of thoughts that he had. He didn't preach out of an almanac. He didn't, and he might have put a poem in it, but he was dealing with scripture. Line on line, like we just looked at, dealing with them Galileans. And the Lord himself is speaking. The Bible, the, this word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. He preached the Bible that day and gave a little bit of his testimony. And by the time I left that place, I was such under deep conviction, I was scared to go home. I remember I drove home. Me and my wife had never even talked about God. We get back to the house. I don't know what to do. She says, call the preacher. I call the preacher. Man, it's how them old school preachers was. I called my preacher and I said, I think I was supposed to come up when you gave the invitation. He said, son, all I can tell you is when God deals with you, come again and hung the phone up on me. Well, now I'm tore up. I'm thinking, man, I ain't gonna make it till next service. We didn't go, God didn't deal with me the next service, but I'll never forget that next Sunday. Amen. He got to preaching on heaven. He got to preaching on the scripture. Hallelujah. He went over there in Romans. It started in Romans chapter number 3, verse 8, 9, and 12. And then he got over there to Ephesians chapter number 2. And ye hath he quickened who were all dead and trespassed. Then he said, hey man, you're saved by grace through faith. Not of yourself. It's a gift of God and not of works. Lest any man should boast. And he said, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And I mean, he started quoting scripture. And I said, oh my God. Hallelujah. This is what. I need to hear. And man, I got convinced by the scriptures and convicted by the spirit until I finally left my seat and got converted by the Savior. Amen. Woo, I got a good look at the saints. Got a good look at myself. Got a good look at my sin. Got a good look at the scriptures. But I got a good look at the Savior. I remember that day he said, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And see, being around the military, you get exposed to all kinds of false religion. All kinds. Most of the time when you go in that chapel, it's being changed out from being a Buddha temple to a, a, what they call a Protestant temple. When I went back in after the tires was hit, I didn't know the truth and got saved pastor in this church. I said, I don't want Protestant on my dog tags. We didn't, we're never a part of Catholic Church. I want Baptist on mine. I, I had Baptist put on mine. Amen. Amen, because we never were a part of the Catholic Church. Somebody ought to say amen. 
I'm going to be preaching on the trail of blood next Wednesday. I can see that right now. Hey, I'm talking about God dealt with my heart, opened up my eyes. I saw the Savior. I, I mean, he, he went through everything that day. i never forget in that, that next service where God dealt with me. Now, that first time I shook and I scared to go to work. I, I scared to breathe. I remember walking in one day and somebody had wrote, I was unloading trucks at UPS, and somebody had wrote John 3.16. You're talking about a youngin that was raised in a good family, in a good community, not out here in Chicago, I mean in a good community, and went to a place that was a good place. I mean, there was good people there. I didn't even know what, they said, hey, ain't that John 3.16? I didn't know that was John 3.16. I'd never been taught John 3.16. I didn't know nothing about the Bible. But boy, that day, he said, Jesus died for you. Just like he took Barabbas' cross. He took your cross. Hey, man, he, he said he was lifted up. Hey, man, to take away your sin and mine. He was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. He said he was buried on the third day he got up. Brother, it got made real to me that day. I'll never forget the scriptures were revealed. I'm the Savior. I was convinced. I was convicted. Hey, man, and I got converted. I, I don't even remember. I remember going down. I was two foot from the pulpit on the right side of the altar, snugged up to a little, uh, a little speaker. I wish Brother Frank was here. A little speaker that was right here. Brother Frank, hey man, that taught Sunday school class, prayed with me when I got saved. I didn't even know who he was. Woo, now I get to be his pastor. Hey man, I mean right here, I snuggled up. I didn't know how to pray. I remember some of them getting down there beside me and they said, have you got victory? I didn't know what victory was. I was dying and going to hell. I didn't know. They said, man, I'm telling you, hey, I, 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 what, what do you want me to pray? I said, I don't know. I need to get saved. And all I know is I had to die to myself. I confessed with my mouth. I repented. I, I called on the Lord. I didn't know, I didn't know Romans 10, 9 and 10. I didn't know John 3, 16. I didn't know none of that. I didn't know that the Bible said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I didn't know it said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I didn't know it said, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I didn't know that. All I knew was I was lost and hell was going to be my eternal destination. And I came down here and fell on the rock and got crushed and God took the broken pieces and put them back together and I got up a new creature. I mean the birds sung better and the sky looked bluer the grass looked greener. Oh, I mean glory to God. I didn't know how good I had it. I, I thought you had to get it recapped every Sunday. I didn't know. I, I'm just glad to have it. Man, I walked out of that church that day after getting a good look at the Savior. He said there's a broad way that leads to destruction. There's a narrow way that leads to heaven. Jesus is the way. And then he went to say Thomas was around the Lord. But God allowed Thomas to ask the question to make it plain. Jesus is dogmatic. It's not Buddha. It's not Confucius. It's not another way. Jesus said, I am the way. Definite article in the English language. The way. The truth. The life. He's the way them that's been detoured. He's the life for them that's dead. And he's the truth for them that's been deceived. And I got saved that day. I don't even know what I prayed. I don't know everything I prayed. All I know, I was busy confessing every sin I could possibly remember. I remember the thing that broke me last was I got a good look at the second coming. He said, if the Lord come right now, how many of you be left? How many of you be gone? 
He said, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God shall sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. I was scared to death. I was scared to go home. I was afraid my wife, I knew how good a woman she was. I was afraid she's going to be gone and I'd be left. Man, I don't know what all took place. Brother Scott, now after studying, I know what took place. But that day, I didn't know all I was getting in on. But I got, here's what the Lord showed me. I thought I was pretty good family. I was in a pretty good area. I was raised in the buckle of the Bible Belt. I was raised in a, in a church that's got good people there. But I had to realize that even me had to repent or else I would perish. I've met a lot of people through the years and I went to preach at nursing homes and I'd be preaching and I, I like preaching at nursing homes. Y'all, you know, he said, told Peter, he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I love preaching at nursing homes. I told, I told Brother Ken, I said, man, it's a good thing. He was preaching at one time in eight nursing homes. I said, that's a good thing. When you get one of them fish that swam around for 80 years, that's what you call wall hangers. Amen. Are y'all with me? Amen. And I, I never forget being, I was in there preaching, and a 90-something-year-old woman got born again. She said, I was raised to think of just being good was all it took, and you come in here preaching about repent and get saved. And she said, today's the first day that I know my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Today I know I'm going to heaven. Amen. She ended up living about seven more years and she'd run that chair everywhere telling folks they need to repent. Hey man, it don't matter the age, they gotta repent. It don't matter the family, they gotta repent. It don't matter what heritage you have, you gotta repent, no matter in Italy or Germany or, or, or China, it don't matter where you're at around this whole world, you gotta repent or else you'll perish. And I thought when Jesus, in verse number six, he says, he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Now see, he's going to go on and he's going he's to break it down for them religious people. See, there's a lot of people that claim to have fruit, but they have no root. There's a lot of people who claim to be saved. Titus talks about that in Titus chapter number 2. Matter of fact, let me just read that to you right quick. And the book of Titus, here's, here's what it says, actually in Titus 1, verse 16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. There's a lot of people that claim to be religious. There's a lot of people that claim to have a relationship, but their life don't, their lips say one thing, but their life says another. And the Lord said, nay, I tell you, hey, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. I believe that's what he's telling that religious crowd. He told that, that crowd that was brought up to think, well, hey, they were drunk with their own self-righteousness. They had that little light. They didn't need no light from nowhere else. But one time when God broke into their darkness, when they were distant, dead in their trespasses and sins, God used the scriptures used a sermon from some old preacher 
Some, some man of God got up and preached the scripture and exposed. Some saints were worshiping. They got a good look at their, at their self. They got a good look at the saints. They got a good look at the scripture. They got a good look, hey man, at the Savior. They might have got a good look at the second coming and they got saved by the grace of God. It's going to take a good look at yourself and a good look at him, hey man, to get born again. I'm telling you, the Bible says when you become one of his, if any man be it, therefore, adverb of condition, if, preposition, therefore, if any man be in Christ, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things become new. So I ask people everywhere in the nursing home, in the jail ministry, wherever you're at, I asked one the other day at the courthouse. Has there ever been a time in your life when you can look back where God truly changed you? If not, you haven't been saved. Because God will make a change. Something as big as God comes and lives on the inside of your heart. He will change you. I remember Nathan told me the other day, I was talking on the phone. Nathaniel, Nate, or Nate as most of y'all know. He said, Preacher, really, I hadn't been here that long because a lot of times, for a couple years I came, was to find fault with you. And I'd do that. But man, I sure am glad there was a change. I'll never forget. He used to call me, and man, it'd, it'd always be friction. Now he calls, and it's always fruitful. Man, I love it when he calls me now. He's always fired up. I remember the first time he called me. He said, Preacher, I want to tell you first off, I'm sorry for causing you so much trouble. See, what happens is when a person gets saved, God changes them. Ain't you glad one day God changed you? Nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Jesus put everybody on the same plane. You never thought about it like this. It was level at Calvary. One, there was two sinners on both sides. They both started reviling the Lord. The one on the right, said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. The one on the left said, if you be God, save yourself and save us. I'm glad he didn't save himself. The one on the right, he said a lot of things. He, was, he knew he was king because only kings have a kingdom. He knew of his kingship. He wanted his lordship and he got a relationship. And that day, that, that day, didn't have to hand out a tract, didn't get baptized, didn't join a church. That moment had nothing to offer the Lord, but the Lord gave him eternal life. You don't have nothing to bring simply to the cross. I pray you come clean. Let's all stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. Father.